0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that focuses on topics related to English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for EL program management and instruction. I'm your host, Steve Sofronis. This episode is part of a series profiling our Elevation Take the Pledge scholarship winners. Each year, we award five $2,000 scholarships to deserving English learners so they can pursue a higher education. One of this year's winners is Isabella de Souza, a graduating senior from Milford, Massachusetts. During our conversation, Isabella and I talk about what it was like to learn English in school after growing up in a household that only spoke Portuguese, why some English learners like to gravitate towards STEM courses, what an asset based approach to teaching looks like from the student perspective, and how she navigated being a senior during the pandemic. Isabella's responses to our questions serve to remind us that we should always look to our students when designing learning experiences, whether they are remote, blended, or in person. It's easy to see why she was selected as one of our 2020 scholarship winners. If you'd like to find more information or contribute to the podcast, check out our distance learning page at distance.elevation.com. Remember that Elevation has two L's. As always, thanks for listening, stay safe, and take care of each other. Isabella D'Souza, welcome to Highest Aspirations and congratulations on winning the Take the Pledge scholarship.
1: Thank you so much, Mr. Safranes. Um, this has been very helpful to me and I thank you guys a lot for giving me this opportunity.
0: Absolutely. We're happy to do it. And I speak for everyone on my team at Elevation and I'm sure um, at your school as well. Uh, when when I say that, I'm very proud of, of what you've done to accomplish this and really excited to chat with you about what your experience has been like, and what your future plans are. So let's start by kind of going back a little bit to your past. I want to talk a little bit about um, your childhood, the early days. You told me that you're the daughter of Brazilian parents who only spoke Portuguese at home. Um, And so when you were young, you really only spoke Portuguese, and you didn't have a whole lot of experience with English. How did that affect your transition to school early on?
1: Well, I first like figured out that I was struggling a lot with English when I, um, when my parents put me in preschool, kind of like to help me learn English. And everyone there only spoke English. And I was lucky enough to have one teacher that spoke Spanish. So that was like my way of communicating. Like um, I tried a lot to like understand what she was saying. She tried to understand me. And we just kind of like worked it out in a way because Portuguese and Spanish are in many ways similar, but sometimes we did like misunderstand each other because of the differences, of course. Um, but it was a little bit hard. I mean, I didn't really have, um, like my parents to guide me uh, with the English things, like with the homework and help me with reading in English. Um, we only spoke in Portuguese. They read to me in Portuguese. So I struggled a little bit with that aspect and a lot of like, um, Vocabulary, I missed out on a lot of that. And like, I didn't know how to like phrase everything correctly Um, in the beginning. Like, for about like five years or so, I struggled a lot with English. So, um, being part of like an ELL program um, helped me a ton with that because they co taught me in like a bilingual way. Mm -hmm. I was learning Portuguese and English at the same time. So then, um, and then they slowly like integrated the Portuguese out of it and transitioned into a fully English um, education. So I'd say that helped out a ton, um, and I'm really grateful for that. So now I know both languages, and I'd say it's uh, something that some parents should definitely uh, take the struggle with. Like I, it it will make it hard for your kid to learn English and will make it hard for the first like five years or so. But I think it's worth it because. In the end, you're going to come out with no. Come, you're going to come out knowing two amazing languages, and um, it's just better than knowing one. You know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's really beautifully said. And I'm I'm glad that we that we started there. And um, you know, it's really interesting as well that you had that Spanish teacher there to give you. I'm sorry, the the teacher who spoke Spanish that gave you that support early on, and that must have been really interesting in in sort of developing your making connections between not two languages, but three, really, Portuguese, Spanish, and and English. And I I speak Spanish as well. And I've I've conversed with people who speak Portuguese and we can get around. And you must have sort of picked up a little bit of um, sort of the inner workings of Spanish without even probably knowing it early on. And I know we'll talk about later kind of what your plans are for the future. But I know Spanish is a part of those plans.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Yes, it is a lot.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, and we'll, and I want to get to that, especially the Spanish, the former Spanish teacher in me is excited to chat about that. But we'll we'll get to that a little later. Um, it, and so you said it, you know, it took you a long time to really kind of uh, pick up English, and you were sort of short on some of the vocabulary that you felt like you needed. It's all obviously all worked out in the end. But you also told me last time we spoke that 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 experience and your background as an English learner, um, kind of swayed you towards STEM courses. I'm curious to hear because there's a lot of research that actually talks about English learners in STEM courses, and we've actually talked with a couple experts on the podcast about that. But I would love to hear your perspective as a student. Why do you think that's the case? What was what sort of swayed you in that direction? And what do you think it might tell us about how we, as teachers and as sort of administrators, go about um, educating English learners? Yeah,
1: of course. Um, I definitely agree with that um, um, as a kid, I mean, I was always interested in math and I feel like teachers tend to challenge you a little bit more on what you're good at. So in first grade, kindergarten, like second grade, and like all throughout my elementary um, education, instead of challenging me a lot in English, my teachers would um, make sure that like I was satisfied and they were satisfied with like what I was doing, like towards like achieving um, my goals in English and like slowly learning it and stuff. and, but they always challenged me in math because they knew I liked it. and it, it was something that like fulfilled me and mm-hmm. um like made me feel like proud and satisfied and like good about myself. But when I was working in English, it kind of put my, me down, you know, So they like to give you a little bit of a confidence boost. And that's how I feel like I got like tort um, came into loving math and all that because when I was working in English, I felt a little bit sad. like I wasn't good as everyone else, like you know, but then when it came to math, I was like, I was a little bit better than everyone else um, early on. So I was like, oh, I like this. Like, challenge me more. Like, give me more. So they always did that. And I feel like that's how it kind of comes to English language learners. Um, You struggle with English. So your teacher wants to make you a little bit happy um, in another way. And they try to, like, challenge you in a whole bunch of different ways. And they just find out what you like and what you're good at and how – it can make everyone happy and give you a little bit of a confidence boost and boost. And it challenges, they challenge you in that. And I feel like a lot of times it's in math or science or something like that, because we lack a little bit of the vocabulary for English and writing and reading and all that. So we're still kind of folk, we're still working on that. But our STEM skills are a little bit like, better
0: in a way, like,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, and it can be STEM, and it can certainly be other subjects as well. But I think that you know, there's a lot of gravitation toward those STEM courses, and particularly math. And what we're seeing yeah. now is is uh, you know, not to get too deep into sort of research and pedagogy and education, but I think it's worth mentioning because you're you're talking about it from the perspective of a student. In a perfect world, you know that that sort of boost that the teacher is giving you in math or the extra sort of push um, also includes some academic language as well, so you can learn the yes. language while you also learn the content, which which may have happened for you sort of without even knowing it, um, which I think is, is, is really, really powerful, right? Like when you're interested in something, you want to, you're motivated to learn it. And then a, a really good teacher is going to infuse or really good lessons are going to infuse that language in to make sure that you're developing the language you need, not only to succeed in math, but also in other subjects as well. Just a follow up there. Did, did you see that being the case? Do you think like that sort of using the language of math, for example, allowed you to expand your, um, your, your English vocabulary?
1: Oh yes, definitely. Um, I remember not knowing what the word difference was because I would always see minus. So I learned that. And like there was just like little like different math vocabulary and then like it would like slowly expand into like when it came to word problems, I'd be like um, I'd ask my teacher, hey, what's what's this word? And they would like, tell me. So I definitely remember me like sometimes um, not knowing some of the words, but sometimes I would ask like most times I would ask like what it was. But if I was like, uh, really interested in the problem or something. I would finish the problem first, like without even knowing what it meant, and then right. ask um, because I was like so like um, in awe of like math and all that for some reason.
0: <laughs> well, so I would imagine I would imagine that some of your challenges—and uh, correct me if I'm wrong—but some of your challenges were probably not math-related, but were vocabulary-related when looking at word problems. Like you just mentioned, difference versus minus. That's a great example. I mean, how can you solve a problem if you don't know that language? So they go hand in hand, right? Definitely <laughs> that's, that's super interesting um, let's get back to 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 sort of to the language piece I mean I'm curious about you're about to you've just graduated from from high school in a very strange year, which we'll talk about later as well um, How do you feel about now being sort of a well rounded you know multilingual person, and what advice would you give to someone, whether it be an English learner trying to learn English or uh, sort of a, a, a tr- traditional student looking to learn a foreign language, what advice would you give to someone trying to learn another language having having been through that in a variety of different ways?
1: Um I'm definitely really grateful for being a multilingual person. Um I wouldn't give it up for anything.
0: Um I wish I knew more languages,
1: honestly. Um, you have
0: time. You have time.
1: Yes <laughs> so i I love the idea of knowing a different culture, knowing a different language, not being only able to speak to Americans or people who know English, you know. Um, I like being able to speak to uh, Brazilian people and people from Portugal and um, other people who speak portuguese and and now, um, after like my high school career and all that and working a lot on my Spanish, being able to speak with people from Spain, Mexico, Cuba, you know, um, I think it's really incredible the things that you will learn from other cultures and stuff, and it's something that I'm really um, happy that I can do and definitely want to improve it and I w- I hope that everyone has the ability to like learn a second language at least another language you know and just become more of a well-rounded person I think it makes you um, understand the world a lot more knowing a different language and cultures and all that so um, my advice for someone looking to learn another language or struggling to learn a current language is don't give up, stay with it. I know it takes time and focus and a lot of like hard work, um, but just your yourself self in it. Listen to podcasts in it, like listen to music in it. That's how I love learning Spanish, listening to music in it. Just talking to other people, you find out a whole bunch of stuff, maybe take a, take five minutes and read like a news article in and, and that language. And if you don't know some of the words, look, at, look them up, like slowly, if you take at least like 15 minutes time like 15 minutes a day you will learn it eventually especially like listening to people like learning how to like pronounce other things and just like truly immersing yourself in it if you could travel to it um to one of the countries that speak that language do it because it will help you a ton you will learn Mm -hmm. the culture um by talking to other people you will learn a lot of um oh I forget how to say it but like ways that those countries speak because every
0: dialect, yeah, country, different dialect. Yeah.
1: Dialects. Yes. Yep. Um, every country has like a little different dialect and way to pronounce certain things. Like they don't all use a word, um, a same word for a fruit or p- a bowl or something like that. Like there's something, there's very little um, changes in some countries between some countries. So by traveling to it or listening to like music, spanish from spain and spanish from mexico and just kind of like truly um dipping your toes in like every single area possible you'll become like more of a well-rounded person um learning that language and it'll eventually it'll like make it easier for you to learn it and you'll just you'll be like oh my gosh like i learned so much and you will just continue doing it what i also really like to do is watching um tv shows in spanish so i can learn it And um, I put the Spanish subtitles too. So they're speaking Spanish. I have the Spanish subtitles. And if I don't know the word, I'll pause it real quick and like search it up or something. Or I'll try to like figure it out because I feel like it it all helps a ton. So it's what I love doing. Um, I find it very interesting. You're like drawn into something. It's what you like doing. So focus on that. And you don't have to necessarily read like a ton if you don't like reading or writing. But make sure you learn it, you know?
0: Yeah. And find what works for you. I mean, I love the idea of, you know, we talked earlier about like just infusing language into content in school, whether it be math or other classes. Well, it's the same thing. If you're interested in a certain show, maybe you want to watch, you know, you've, you've, you've already watched, I don't know, I'm just an example the office or whatever, you know, you've gone through that whole thing in English and maybe, maybe you just kind of say, Hey, I'm going to watch this again in Spanish and just kind of go through it and, uh, and do something that you enjoy. And it doesn't have to be the office. I don't know why that came to my mind. It could be anything. And, um, (laughs) And and that's that's a great way to do it, you know. And you also mentioned, I think, that something that's really really important that a lot of people don't think about, and that is that that learning other language does makes make you a more well rounded person. And the aspect of the culture um, is is so crucial. And I think good language teachers are constantly bringing in components um, of the culture, whether that be historical or pop culture or whatever the case may be, to captivate people's interests. But you know, the, the last thing that I'll mention there that, that you said that I think is important is it doesn't just come to you. You know, it does require commitment. It's like exercise. Um, you know, you're not going to see results for a while and you have to stick with it and it's discipline. So, but the more you can find fun things to do, uh, the, the, the better you are. So, um, all good points. And I know, and we'll get to this, I know that you, you, you're sort of, uh, um, trajectory is toward the uh, the medical field but based on everything you said I think you also have a future uh, as a language educator if that's something that, <laughs> that you're interested no. in. Um, okay, Let, let's um let's transition a little bit. I I want to I think it would be kind of a, a missed opportunity if we didn't talk a little bit about um what your experience has been like as a senior during this this pandemic. Um You know, were there any lessons that you feel like you learned that you'll carry with you um, as, as you transition into what might be an uncertain fall as well? I mean, how how do you, where do you stand on all of that?
1: Yeah. um, In the beginning, I was just kind of like, I kept on shutting it out. I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Like, they are not going to cancel school for the rest of the year. Like, stop talking crazy. This thing's going to blow over in a few weeks. Like, we'll get back to school. We'll still have our senior experience. Like, don't worry about it. And I just like kept on like believing that it would all be okay, and like that it would all like go back to normal, like instantly, you know. Um, and I kept like shutting it off, like I was I was in denial. I was like, no, like this can't happen to me. Like my my whole entire grade, like all these seniors in the world, like it's so bad um, and sad and stuff, because like we're la- we're missing a whole bunch of like senior experiences that we've been looking for, um, towards. The, our past like 12 13 years learning um in the english education system the american education education system sorry That's um right. but it was just kind of like it was kind of it was sad um i was i was very upset i was like wow like i'm not ever i'm never going to be able to go back to school with like the 300 kids that i um that were in my grade um plus the other like Freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. I'm not gonna be able to see all my teachers again and like say bye and like have that like goodbye feeling closure, of, um, yeah, you know, that closure. Um, and it was hard at first. Like it was, um, me and my friends were like a lot of us were in denial. Um, we were, we we're like, no, no, don't they'll make, they'll make it okay. And so then I, I was like, I don't want to be, I don't be negative. Like I know like they will do something to make it so that like we kind of get that closure or something they're gonna your um high school and the state like they're gonna work on something to make us feel better so then I just kept on like trying changing my mindset from like being like a little bit negative and like down to being more positive like oh I'll be okay like it'll work out so I feel like it definitely like taught me like how to be patient and look at outcomes differently if you don't have to focus on the negative like yes you didn't get your high school experience but now your class is going to be remembered you know right. because you didn't get your high school experience like there's there's a whole bunch of like different um ways you can look at things and i just started doing that and but we ended up getting like a little um mini parade across town where like all the seniors were in, in the parade with their families and then um their families were either in the car with them or like friends and family were like on the sidelines like of course like six feet apart and, like wearing masks and all that but mm-hmm um they were like kind of like gradu um congratulating us and all that so like that was def- definitely very special and then i heard other people oh i hope we get that next year i was like no that's for my class only yeah <laughs> that's,
0: <laughs> just, a no, that's a special thing that's our <laughs> no. that's our that's con- our yeah consolation prize yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so i was like no stop it <laughs> sure. and um they're like yeah we understand and then um we're hopefully looking towards getting a graduation, like a form of graduation in August. Um probably with like planning six feet apart or maybe even in their cars. But at least we get to be like we're hoping that the seniors will be able to get on their fields and like actually get their diplomas because we still haven't. But we did plan for a virtual graduation if um we aren't able to do the graduation in August. But I see how hard like everyone is trying to like make it up. To us even though it's not their fault right and I really appreciate it appreciate it and it makes like it makes me happy that uh, everyone like understands like a little bit like what we went through like missing out on all their ex- experience and they're trying like their best to find out a way to like give some of it back to us so yeah um, basically what I learned from all this is just be a little bit more positive um, things will be okay and um, just give it a little time and be patient because it will come out all right in the end and it will all it won't be the same as you like as it was before, but people will a lot people will surprise you a lot of people will try to like make you feel better um, a lot of the time. so I was very um, very impressed with what my school did and is doing currently for the seniors
0: that's great i I really like your. I really actually respect your your positive outlook. and I think that a good way of looking at it is, yeah, that you're like, you like you're a, you're a very unique class. You can always say that this is something that that we sort of went through and went through together, and it's totally unprecedented. And you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, it never happens again, and you're always the only ones who can say, yes, I yeah. experienced what it was like to be a senior during during this time. Um, and hopefully, as you mentioned, yeah, you know, that that helps you grow and look at the positive and maybe build um, certainly some resiliency. You know, dealing with difficult situations that are totally unexpected and um, and that we're unprepared for um, certainly has a way of of creating uh, a certain amount of, like I said, resilience and also sort of innovation and the way that we do things. And so you've been steeped in that for the last few months in a very formative time. So I hope that that uh, that that does have a positive impact on you in the end. There are there are a lot of silver linings here despite all of the the difficulties that. um, that we're that we're going through. Um, So I want to shift gears and talk about uh, about your future because I I think that obviously is is something that you're thinking a lot about. A lot of students your age are thinking about a lot of teachers are thinking about um, as we think about what the next step is for you as as a student as an English learner as someone who um, who sort of uh, exemplifies what we're trying to do here um, at Elevation and what a lot of teachers are doing as well. So last last excuse me last we talked you were still trying to figure out your exact plans for the fall. And I, I was pretty impressed that you said that you were actually negotiating uh, with a college to make sure that you were able to study abroad. And since then, you mentioned uh, via email that that you actually ended up choosing. So I, I don't know what the what the answer is here. It's a mystery to me, but I'm really excited to, to learn about what, what you're doing um, and to sort of reveal it here on the podcast. But I'd also like you to tell sort of listeners about why what you were negotiating and why you wanted to do that.
1: Yeah, of course. Um so I was struggling, I was in between three colleges. Um I narrowed it all like from a big list of like 15 or so I <laughs> applied to many. Um I narrowed it all down to like where I thought I would be comfortable, what was financially like possible, and um what was the best for like my major. And I ended up being between three choices. Um uh, University of New Hampshire University of Massachusetts enroll and um, Simmons uh, University in Boston, which is an all girls school. So I had those three choices. I kept on going back and forth, back and forth for probably about a month. Um, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, Isabella, you're so indecisive. It's like, just decide already, pick them. Like, guys, this is like my next four, four years. Like, I don't think guys, <laughs> and with nursing, it's really hard to transfer. So it's not like I could just pick somewhere, and be like, "Oh, if I don't like it, I can transfer." Like, it would require, if I were to transfer, it would require me to do like an extra year or a couple like summer courses, like um, summer semesters or so, in order to like catch up to what um, certain schools have for nursing. Like, um, they're part of cr- their curriculum, but a lot of schools don't let you transfer. So, for me, it was kind of like a binding deal. I was like, "Oh gosh, like, am I sure I want to stay in nursing now?" Like it made me like question all of my decisions. Um, And then another thing that's really hard for nursing is being able to study abroad. A lot of schools don't let you do that because the nursing curriculum is so intense and hard and stuff like that. They try Mm -hmm. to like make sure you're like in a structure and you're doing clinicals like the last couple of years. So you, it's kind of required that you are here, but I wasn't understanding like, why can I study abroad my freshman year if I want to like, or the beginning of my sophomore year when I'm not doing clinicals. Like I still wasn't able to like comprehend it, Um, but they want you to be here so you can um, get like, be with the nursing students and like learn because these classes are super hard. So I think that's some of the reasons why, but I still am not completely sure. (laughs) Um, But then I was like, okay, like Simmons allows me to study abroad, but am I going to be comfortable there? Like it is a smaller school. It is all women's. Um, I know the clinical placement would be really good because I would be in Boston. But am I going to be happy there? Am I going to be comfortable? Like, is there enough diversity? I right. like that's something I need. Diversity is um, key for me. Like, being like a well-rounded person is by being in a diverse um, environment. So that was also um, a big part of it. And then I was like, well, if I'm looking towards diversity, UMass Lowell is like really good um, UNH lacks a little bit of it. And, but Simmons lacks a ton of it. And then I was like, okay. And then like, so I just started like going through everything. And then I was like, okay, like, I feel like I'll be more socially comfortable and I'll still be challenged and like happy at Lowell. So, but they don't have a study abroad program for nursing. Like, it would all have to be during the summer, which um, would be out of pocket. It wouldn't be um, the same tuition rate and stuff like that. So it was very hard. And I started sending emails and making phone calls to the nursing department and the study abroad department at Lowell. And I'm sure they eventually came to hate me for it. <laughs> um, I, I was like, hey, guys, like um, I was doing some research and I found some things that um, other schools do for um, nursing students who want to study abroad. So I was like kind of giving them ideas. and. I was like, would it be possible? Like, I know, like, um, it's it's not just, like, a yes or no. Like, I know it, like, it has to go through, like, a whole bunch of people. But do you think it would be possible for you guys to, like, integrate this into Lowell's curriculum? And I make phone calls to, like, the director, like, the assistant and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, just send us an email, like, with your proposal and all that. And I would send them, like, information, like, a whole bunch of information. And they would go through it. They're like, okay, like, I can't give you a yes or no question, answer. but um. I definitely tell you this that we're gonna try our best to incorporate it into our curriculum now and like give that option to students and um wanna study abroad, especially like and but I wanted it, I was like, okay, like I don't want it to be like in Ireland or anything like that. Like obviously, like I would love it to be in Ireland, but I want it to be a Spanish speaking country. Sure. Um, because a lot of people who major in nursing or like in healthcare, like a bio track or something like are going to pre-med track. They want to learn Spanish as well, so right. I wanted that opportunity to be like in a Spanish-speaking country, so you could improve your Spanish as well. So I was like, okay, like um, you might be looking to one in Ireland. It would it be possible to do one in Spain or um, Peru or Argentina or something like that? And they're like, let's look into it. So then I sent them more information. It was like a lot of um, negotiating as back and of, forth, yeah, a lot of back and forth and stuff like that, and. I was really getting, like, I was coming close to my deadlines. I ended up having to ask for extensions. I was very nervous about it, all of it. And I was like, oh, guys, like, what if they don't let me? um, What if it doesn't go, uh, um, end up going through with it? And they're just saying that, so I'll go to the school or something like that. And I just kept on, like, talking myself into school and then slowly talking myself out of it. And then I made a pro-con list, and I was like, okay, if I have to do an extra semester to study abroad, like, whatever. I just want to make sure that I'm happy and that, like, in in an environment where I'll feel safe and have, like, um, a lot of opportunity with, like, different cultures and stuff like that. So I ended up choosing MESL uh, because of all that. Um school that I was negotiating a ton with to let yep. me study abroad. Um, but, honestly, I think it was it's the, the best option for me just because of, like... Um, all the bo- like, all the checklists and pros and cons lists that I made. Um, I think it's where I'll be like the most comfortable and happy, and it will still challenge me academically. And if I have to do an extra semester, so what? As at least I was like, I knew I was going to be happy, you know, right. um, and I was going to be in an environment where I felt safe um, and had and gave gave me the chance to um, talk to people with different cultures. Whereas Simmons, it was mostly. Um, it lacks a lot of diversity. So, right. um, even though like the school is like, um, would give me a lot of opportunities um, in like study abroad area, it wouldn't in like the culturally area. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, there's a few, I think there's a couple important lessons here. Number one is if you want something, look into it and ask and be, be proactive. I mean, you know, a lot of people. I was going to say people your age, but people in general are just, just don't want to kind of make those difficult phone calls or reach out to people via email who are in sort of director positions. You did that. Um, No no matter, no matter what happens, you know where they stand and they know where you stand. Um, And I think that that's, that, you know, that's a, that's a tribute to you. And also I love that you, you know, you made a pro con list. I mean, simple thing, but when you're in the process of that kind of difficult decision-making Really sitting down and understanding what your needs are and how, in this case, a college can match those needs, um, I think is 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 critical. And I certainly hope that UMass Lowell um, they're lucky to have you. I can say that for sure. And I it sounds like you made the right decision. Um, but I certainly hope that they that they think about uh, you know your proposal and what you want to do. And maybe you can send them a snippet of this podcast episode as as further evidence. <laughs> but I think I think oh, it's great. And if they're yeah, listening that, to students. Yeah, if- If they're listening to students, um, regardless of, and and if they're even being honest, saying, you know, we can't make yes or no decision right now, I think that's totally honest and transparent. But, you know, in some cases you do that and you put your best foot forward and you don't even get a response. So the fact that you did um, is a testament to your um, ability to sort of look out for what your needs are. Not only your needs, but your needs represent the needs of many other students. I'm sure there are many others who are looking to do the same thing. As you mentioned, many students who are uh, going to, uh, into the medical field are going to want to minor in Spanish. And as we talked about earlier in the, in the episode, you know, it's the best way to learn a language is actually by going somewhere. So um, that's great. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I want to wrap up with a couple questions that, um, that I think are useful for, for anybody who's listened to this, that might be a, uh, uh, a teacher or perhaps a student as well or anybody sort of involved in working with English learners and that is what advice uh, I want to ask sort of two parts of this question one. What advice would you give to? Um, an English learner like you maybe that that's that's younger that's just trying to start to learn English You've kind of touched on that a little bit So I guess like the the to me the more interesting part of the question is what advice might you give to a teacher who's working with um, with English learners
1: so for the students um I know we tend to draw away from reading and writing because it's not something we're like, we're good at in English. So, um, you kind of steer toward uh, against, um, against it and kind of try to like, um, not work at it on much, but I strongly urge you. I know all your teachers say it. And I know, um, almost every single adult say it, but read more, participate more, just like try to do more. Um, I know like, especially like, I wish I did more at a young age. I wish I did more reading and stuff like that. Like I can't tell you the amount of times my um, elementary school teacher told me, Isabella, read, 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 in the summer, read at home and stuff like that. And a lot right. of times like, I would just kind of like avoid it and just I'd read in Portuguese instead. they are like, Oh, did he read? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, was it in English? And I'd be like, <laughs> maybe not. And then like, <laughs> um, so like, I would, I felt more comfortable reading in Portuguese, um, especially like in um, my elementary uh, days and my, but my teachers wanted me to read English and, but that was challenging for me and I didn't like it. I was like, no, like I'm not doing good. Like, I don't want to do this. I already hate reading in general. Like why are you going to make me read in a language that I'm not really understanding? Right. But I like, I understand like now like after I grew up, I definitely understand why they're saying it because it will help you in your vocabulary. It'll help you pronounce stuff. It'll, it will only help you in the long run. It'll help you on your standardized testing. It'll help you in high school um, um, knowing how to read faster and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of time stuff that um, time testing, like a lot of time components in, um, in high school and college. And that's something um, I struggle with a little bit. Like I cannot read super fast probably because i did not like reading as a younger um kid so and when i did read i would read in portuguese mostly and not in english so i feel like that would definitely like held me back a lot um from doing more being able to do more like if i had worked harder on it i would have been able to like achieve better grades or like best better sat scores or get like you know so, so I
0: it's one thing to get yep. advice from a teacher about this or a parent, but advice from somebody like you, who's just graduated from high school, might be a little bit more powerful. So I'm glad you. I'm yeah. glad you How about from your perspective as a student? And maybe this is an unfair question. You're not a teacher. We know that, right? But you've experienced it from the perspective of an English learner. What one thing, one piece of advice that you could give to a teacher, like a content teacher, who's a math teacher or a science teacher or a history teacher, who has five, six, seven, ten English le- English learners in their class? What what advice would you give to help support them?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I'd say spend time with um, the the students who are learning English. Like, get to know them a little bit and just work with them. Like, compromise a little bit, but make sure they feel like they're making um, progress and that they are um, getting better. Because, or else they will feel like unmotivated, and it won't it won't make them like they'll be like oh, I already stuck at this anyways like whatever you know they'll kind of have like that kind of mindset but if you're like always encouraging them and motivating them and showing them the progress that they've made um from the beginning of the year to the middle of the year and the end of the year like and just always like working with them and giving them a little bit more time um it'll it will make them feel better and they'll want to learn more they will be like oh I want to make this teacher happy I want to like I want to challenge myself a little bit I want to be able to like Read this faster or understand what I'm like actually learning. Uh, history, I always struggled with history too because of the English aspect to it. Like, a lot of the times it would come like English from like the 1800s, and I'm like, Yeah, I don't know what that is. Like, I i struggle with this English, like, what I don't you know what that mean? is, <laughs> yeah, <You're laughs> from like back then. Like, so, um, and a lot of the times I did require a little, a little bit more attention than some students. and. Um, by like always asking um vocabulary and stuff like that so i would just like stay with it, like but a lot of the times i didn't want to take time away from like the class so i would just stay after school with the teacher and work them, a l- uh work with them a little bit in order to like know that i um that i was making the progress that i wanted even though if the teacher was okay with it like i always wanted to challenge myself more so i'd say like as a student to a teacher just make sure that the student makes uh, feels that they are making some progress. Like challenge them a little bit, but not to the point that they feel like they have to give up because they don't know anything. Yeah. Make sure they feel safe and um, they're able to come with you with more questions or um, concerns if possible, you know?
0: Yeah. I love that part as well, making sure they feel safe to ask questions. And then, you know, you talked a lot about making sure that students feel like they can be they could be motivated and, and sort of the, the, the pedagogical that the teacher speak here would be, you know, when you talk about push them, but not too far, that's, you know, a productive struggle or zone of proximal development, the teachers listening will understand that. Um, And and it's great to like read that research and understand what that, all that means, but to hear it from a student like you, um, I think is, is, is even more powerful. And I think a lot of what you're talking about is something we talk about all the time here. And that's, um, take an asset-based approach to teaching, particularly with English learners. You know, you may not have the language, you may not know the difference between minus and difference, for example, but you understand the concept, you understand the math. So that's just that extra push and spending a little extra time and understanding um, where the student's strengths lie, not, not just the weaknesses, right? The strengths are so crucially important. Um, I think that's that's probably a great place for for us to wrap this up. so Isabella, I want to th- congratulate you again for winning uh, for being one of our five winners of the take the Pledge scholarship um, after speaking with you, uh, I can completely tell why you uh, you 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 won the scholarship. I'm really proud of you and excited for your next step and uh, and most importantly, I really appreciate you spending the time um, to chat with us. I hope that people find our our conversation useful and inspirational. I, I know I did
1: thank you so much. Um, I have loved doing this um podcast with you and i really thank you a lot for this opportunity i wouldn't have figured out a lot of this the things that i said um without having you giving me these questions so i definitely thank you a lot for that and giving me the opportunity for the scholarship